Welcome to Aligned Expressions, the new podcast series by Sherry Burton Stein. In this series, we'll be talking everything from home, lifestyle, yoga, and feng shui. And I am your host, Sherry Stein, and it is a pleasure to have you connecting, growing, and learning with me through Aligned Expressions. Thank you again for joining me on Aligned Expressions. And this month is National Women's History Month. And I am so proud to introduce and interview one of my mentors, one of my teachers, uh, well-known African-American yogi, Miss Faith Hunter. Faith is known for her abilities to help others remember their inherent worth and live more soulful, joyful lives. She shares the seven principles behind her life philosophy, the spiritually fly sutras, inspiring us to embrace our unique flow on and off the mat. The Spiritually Fly Sutras are dynamic, sacred principles grounded in movement, breathwork, sound, and stillness. With Faith's fresh, modern take on classic yoga wisdom, these sutras can inspire and ignite an inner revolution. For anyone ready to live their most epic life, Spiritually Fly, Her new book offers a radical guide to shift unhealthy patterns, recharge your soul, and fly. Faith is a yoga and meditation teacher, as well as the creator of Spiritually Fly, a lifestyle philosophy that celebrates every moment of life. She has been a teacher for over 20 years in the Washington, D.C. area, as well as internationally, and she owned Embrace Yoga, uh, DC, Embrace Om, and her new brand, Elevate. One of the most recognizable faces in yoga, Miss Faith Hunter has appeared in Yoga Journal, Essence, Women's Health, Shape, and New York Magazine. Faith and I met about 10 years ago, and I actually helped her with feng shui her apartment in Washington, D.C., and it was such a pleasure meeting her, and we just created this bond, and though we have not had a chance to speak and see each other in several years due to her travels and the fact that she moved to the New York City area for a while, it was such a pleasure to interview her and to really get a chance to open up and really talk some deep things about yoga, lifestyle, and mental resiliency. I am really honored to interview her for this podcast. Also, if you are listening to this podcast, I am inviting anyone who's listening to rate it as well as give a few takeaways from this podcast as well as, or if you could just give us a shout out about how much you enjoyed the podcast. You can post it on your Instagram page. You can go on the website for the podcast and rate it and tell us how much you loved it. And you will get one month free of Faith Hunters Elevate program. You can DM me as well on SBW Aligned on my website, on my Instagram page, or my Facebook page to get that free one-month Elevate program, which we will be talking about in this episode. So without further ado, let's bring on Miss Faith Hunter. So hello, my listener. I am so excited and honored to have Miss Yogi Extraordinaire, Miss Faith Hunter, 
and a deep, deep bow to this lady. I am so excited to have you on, Faith. How are you? Thank you. Thank you. I am so delighted to be here. And it's so good to connect with you because it's been far too long. I know. This is something I don't normally talk about, but Miss Faith and I go back 10 years. Mm-hmm. We met 10 years ago, and I actually worked with Faith on a yeah. very special project. Yes. And yes. I am so thrilled that we still have a deep, deep, deep connection and sure. a love and respect for each other. Even so, sure. she's a Delta. I forgive her. Yeah. Yes. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited, my dear. I know at the time that we met before, we talked about you writing a book. Yeah. And I remember you were a little apprehensive at that time. And I said to myself, you really should write a book. And I know you were working on some things. A lot of things were happening at that time. Mm -hmm. And I said, I kept waiting and kept watching. I kept (laughs) waiting. And I kept saying to myself, when does she go write this book? Because I know she could do this now. And then when she finally did it, I was like, yay. Your book, Spiritually Fly, I have right here. And before we came on, I just was showing all the pages and highlights. I've highlighted so much stuff in here. It's just like my new Bible. I just, it's amazing. Wisdom, Meditations, and Yoga to Elevate Your Soul. Miss Faith, tell us a little bit, tell my listener a little bit about your journey into yoga, what got you started. I know you go into it in the book, but I'd love to hear a little bit about your journey into yoga and to lifestyle design. Most definitely. Well, first, I want to just say thank you again for having me on. And to drop into a little bit around how I started and how I ended up in this practice, both of my brothers were diagnosed with HIV in the 80s. And then in the 90s, my older brother was actually practicing medicine in LA. He had gone through medical school. He was actively practicing. And he, his HIV AIDS diagnosis was taking over his body. Part of it is it's really interesting because he made a personal decision not to take drugs anymore because they were so toxic. And his main focus and his purpose in life was to be of service as a physician. So he was like, you know, if I'm only of service for a couple of years, I've fulfilled my destiny and my dream. So he stopped taking his meds and he got really sick and he returned to Louisiana to be around family. And during that time, of course, he was dying. And as a result of his suffering and just watching him move through all types of emotions and seeing our entire family navigate his death and while he was still hospitalized, but just knowing that he was going to transition soon, that's when I started practicing yoga. Actually, one of my friends suggested that I take a yoga class. She's like, girl, you're off the charts. I think I was probably off the charts way before I showed up to yoga or even before my brother became really ill. I was probably off the charts. But my friends suggested I take yoga and I dropped in. That was like the early 90s and before yoga was popular. And I went to my first class. I cried on the mat. I cried at home. I went back to class. I kept going. I kept showing up. We kept chanting. We meditated. I kept crying. And then I somehow found myself in D.C., working in nonprofit, working actually in the HIV AIDS arena. And the thing that continued to keep me solid and strong and steady was my yoga practice. And so it was all the result of my brother being really ill, a traumatic moment. And I needed something to keep me steady and to hold me and maintain some type of balance in my life. And I realized that it was that and I just continued on. I think it's just sometimes when maybe not so positive things happen, mm-hmm. always the silver lining that creates us into stronger, more resilient people. Yeah. And so it is sad of what happened. Look at where you are now. 
right? Yes, um, I had no idea. No, we <laughs> really don't. And on that vein, before we get into your book, I'm really interested in doing. You were one of the first African American women on the stage, actually growing your business, growing mm-hmm. your popularity, and really showing larger audiences that we can do this too. And now that things are so much different, and then especially since the pandemic, I would say between the last six to seven years, you're seeing more and more women of color, men of color as well. Reggie, oh my God, your student. I just absolutely love him. But that's a whole other story <laughs> to talk about another time. What's your take on how the industry has been and how it's grown and the many African-American women out there now? What's your thoughts? It's really interesting because when I started, there really weren't that many on a large scale. I mean, I lived in New York for a while and that's why I did teacher training. And I definitely saw African-American and other people of color teaching yoga. But when I moved to D.C., I was like, whoa, this is really white. I lived in D.C. for a while in my nonprofit days, moved to New York, became a yoga teacher and then moved back to D.C. So when I moved back to D.C., my view of the yoga scene was very different. And what I am seeing now, you know, like you said, there's so many out there. And my take is that I am so glad and I'm so blessed that I was able to open that door. And I think we talked about destiny earlier in our path. Like, I really think that was part of my path is that I was placed on this earth to open some doors. And that's exactly what I did. And it blows me away sometimes when I see women and men of color coming to train with me. And then watching what I call my babies, I'm like, these are my yoga babies because I don't have children. And then watch my yoga babies grow and share this practice in this really beautiful, unique way that's authentically theirs, but also has like just this little spice of faith sprinkled on top. And so it makes me very proud. And it also inspires me as well to continue to grow and to continue to evolve and continue to be a thought leader and continue to open doors. I just think it's wonderful because even when I was starting to take classes back in the early 2000s and to see everything that's happening now, and I'm really grateful. And of course, you're a trailblazer to make that happen. So deep bow to you, sister. Deep bow. So let's talk about your (laughs) Yes. One of the things that you and I just talked about was trauma, a little bit of trauma and understanding how relationships are and so forth. And you hear this definition of the dark night of the soul, that term everybody's talking about. And as I read through your book, that's kind of what came to me, that you were able to articulate this concept. But I don't know if that's what you meant to do. So I just wanted to first get a definition from you on what you think of dark night of the soul is Mm -hmm. and whether that was an influential part of your life that led you to write the book. Yeah, it's so interesting. I've never read the book. (laughs) I've heard about it and I've, you know, know people that live by it. However, in my writing of this book, it was really important for me to share the underlayers, share the shadows of what I was feeling, and then also share the really heavy aspects because I knew, even if it was a small amount, I knew a very tiny amount of my story would impact someone else's life. And the other piece to that is it was part of another layer of healing as well to actually not only just verbalize it to some of my friends and family or verbalize it in my classes. Because sometimes I would talk about these things in my yoga classes when I would teach or at workshops, but it was really important to put down in paper and share broadly with the world that these things happen to me. And I know for a fact that there are assortment of healing tools that can support and aid us 
in moving through all the layers of darkness, all the shadows that are underneath. Because it's essential for us as healers to be as open as we possibly can about what we are going through so that people don't create this false vision and image of who we are. Because as healers, if we're changing and shifting and supporting each other's lives, then people will sometimes place us on this very weird pedestal and think that there is this level of perfection. So that was like another layer of it as well, is that I also wanted people to say, see me as a real human being. It's very specifically women that abuse, trauma can happen to any of us. It doesn't matter how powerful you think you are. doesn't matter how spiritual you are. Because I think when people do read the book, they're like, whoa, wait a minute. You were teaching yoga right in the middle of all that. I'm like, yeah, I was. Yeah. I mean, and oh, girl, you talk about your path to flyness and then you go into your seven sutras. Mm-hmm. And before we go into a little bit about those, can you define for my listener who may not be familiar with the term sutra, what it means? Sure. So a sutra is a thread. And like I say in the book, it's this beautiful thread that supports and can aid in our transformation. So if you think about a mantra, right? A mantra, I am powerful, right? That could be a sutra. It is a simple statement. But the power of the sutras, when you actually have multiple ones, it can create this ripple effect of change and shift and uncovering and unfolding of who we are. And so the seven that I created during my spiritual cave is what I call it. It was this opportunity for me to uncover, dive a little bit deeper into my soul and then pull out the tools of healing that I needed. And these threads, these sutras support me in doing that. Well, I absolutely love them. And, you know, for my listener, the first one is lead with love. The second is stand in your truth. That's actually my favorite. Um, Sutra three is face your demons with compassion and bravery. Four is let your walls down, reveal your heart. Five, trust and have faith in yourself and others. Six, follow your passions with conviction and purpose. And seven, be divine without apologizing. That's my next one that I love. (laughs) On page 15, you express your truth. And speaking about your ex-partner, and I actually saw this on Instagram Live, where you really reveal... uh, a relationship, um, and based on the book, uh, there appears to have been uh, an intense trauma that you, you know, experienced around um, a abusive relationship. And um, would you say that the sutras that you discuss would be the basis um, of moving through that um, in a, a particular way, uh, and also as as is important or talked about a lot now is this whole thing about trauma-sensitive, trauma-informed yoga. Because when mm-hmm. I'm reading through this and reading the, um, the saunas and the exercises and so forth, it just seemed really helpful for someone who has been through a level of trauma like that. So mm-hmm. can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. So actually, the the abuse that I experienced came before the sutras. Um, and so basically, once I got out of the relationship, you helped me um, <laughs> pull my home together in a very Zen way. <laughs> so, and it, little did you know that you were essential part of this. Um, and so, you know, my home, because that was the home that I entered um, right after the relationship that you assisted me in, in helping to, to cleanse and set up. Yeah. So once I got into that space, I started to to practice every day. I I didn't take, I purposefully did not take yoga class or do meditations with anyone else for an entire year. I I would teach, but I would only do self-guided practice. And in 
my meditations and coming out of my meditations, I would do a lot of journaling. And through the process of journaling, there were these pings, there were these, these divine downloads. And that's when I started with the sutra. So it started out, I would just like write one and I was like, oh, okay. And I'm thinking in my head, okay, this is just a nice mantra, right? Or, or a nice affirmation that I'm going to use. But then I realized it's like, whoa, there's something to this. Right. And so once I created those, then I started teaching them. However, in the book, or I should say I started teaching from those sutras. Um, but once I'm, I'm in the book and I'm starting to write the book, I realized that the way that they are structured in the book mm-hmm. serve as this almost elevator, this stairwell to flyness, right? To your flyhood. And so you have these seven steps and in those seven sutras, in seven chapters, the idea is that you you establish your self-love. That's like the foundation for everything. Like for me, love is the foundation for everything. If you don't have love for self, it is impossible for you to move through any pain, work through any trauma, and even go out there and help the world, right? There's still going to be this level of dysfunction if you're not fully in tune with self. And then as you move past that, it's like, okay, now I love myself. Let me stand in my truth. And then you just start to move your way up these steps. In designing the specific practices the from the yoga, the meditations to the journaling exercises, they were all very specific, but they also are practices. And I tell people this all the time. They were practices that I did. So because I was journaling so much during that traumatic moment, I was writing down what I was doing. I was taking my, your eyes. As we no, but you, know, but you know what, what it is. <laughs> I didn't mean to do that, but this is what came to me. What you're talking wow. about was this, this thing like, you know, there was spirit came to you, mm-hmm. follow me, and gave you this download, right? And that was meant to happen because you were an example. You were meant to give the world peace, show the world blessings, and show the world how to move through these things. Yeah. So you were having, so spirit was giving you this download and it was, it was giving you this, this message of things that, and you probably, it was the way it sounded like it was like this, this, this energy that was coming through you and you probably didn't even realize yourself. I didn't. And then when I'm reading this, I'm like, wow, my goodness, anyone, I mean, anyone could read this book, but if it, Particularly, I was just in a conversation with somebody about with about trauma, and and that's an, an area that I I'm specializing in. I was like, man, I could use this book. And I was just talking to somebody, and I showed them your book, and I said, this is a good book if you're working with people. Mm. Some of these wow. exercises, if you're teaching. Um, the breathing. Oh, I love the, the left nostril breathing. That's, that's my jam. Yeah, yeah that's my jam. <laughs> because anytime I'm in, I mean, I'm like, a lot of this stuff, I'm like, wow. All right, I'm getting too excited. Um, all right, so on page 25, you write, quote, heaviness doesn't sit in the heart as long as there's passion and compassion for oneself. This requires us to clarify our needs internally and then commit to honoring our heart's truth by setting boundaries, <laughs> boundaries in all relationships, which yeah. enables us to drop into the breath of love with others. I found that quote very inspiring, and I just wanted to get you to elaborate on that. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's one, it's always interesting when people read my words back to me. I'm like, did I write that? Yeah, I know. I'm the same way. (laughs) 
Okay. That was, you know, my writing was a download too. Um, but in, in terms of that, it's, you know, setting boundaries and, and there is a lot of buzz about setting boundaries, oh, yeah. but a lot of times what happens is that people are setting boundaries out of anger. People are setting boundaries um, because they, they just feel like they need to immediately block people. Mm-hmm. But the boundary isn't about the other. The boundaries are about protecting, holding, and comforting your heart. Yeah. So you have to identify what your personal needs are. You have to identify what you are comfortable or not comfortable with. This is, and this is all self-awareness, what these meditations and movement practices give us. So when we tap into that level of self-awareness, we open up our level of intuition and identify what our needs are mm-hmm. and how we want people to treat us. But most importantly, how do we treat ourselves? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Then. It's easy to go out and say, okay, the boundary is this. I am not going to talk to this person. Or like one of my deep personal boundaries um, that I share with people is that I like my mornings to myself. And so it's not about me not wanting to have conversations with other people or, or, you know, set a meeting or something like that. That is because the morning times are my opportunity to comfort, care for, fill my cup up, a simple boundary, but it took once a thing of self-awareness in order for me to stick to it. Yeah. And be comfortable verbalizing it. Awesome. And you, you, because you said um, on page 46, you write, having the inner capacity to wake up every morning and to refuse to live the untruths can be challenging. In the vibrant face of social media, we unconsciously create an online image painted with a brush of, the, of what we desire or disdain. Mm-hmm. And that is so true, you know, and I, when I read that, I was like, what? we wake up every morning and refuse to, to live untrue. I love that. Your, your, your words are so um, poetic uh, in such a way. And the fact that I, I'm the same thing, uh, same way. When it comes to um, my time is the morning and I can't get into heaviness. I can't mm-hmm. get into um, solving other people's problems. You know, I'm, you know, at, <laughs> <it's> a, <laughs> I wish my listener could see your face right now. So, um, <laughs> you know, and so when people come to me and they want to get into heavy conversations, eight, nine o'clock, in the morning, I just can't, I'm just starting my day. I can't, allow that energy mm-hmm. you know to, to to be within me because I am really processing myself I'm processing yeah. my energy I'm processing where I want to be today yes and um you know and, and and when you go on social media and and I know you do a lot of work I do a lot yeah and you do a lot of your lives in the morning and you know, you have to get into a, a, a certain level of of understanding. And so so you do have to put down your boundaries and to get into your sutras and to get into your spiritual truths. Um, wow, I can go on forever. Um, so um, I wanted to, oh, you go on to state, uh, quote, I always encourage my yoga, yoga teacher trainees to share with integrity and from a place of personal values and offer content that inspires and uplifts, causes others to think about their own lives and open lines of communication in a world where technology has created disconnection, end quote. Now, this is an area that I have a lot of trouble with. And I know that 
you have always been very open with people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is the most open, <laughs> this is most open. Uh, that you, you know, you, you have gone. Uh, yes. So how far, you know, do you think that we should go when we're, we're traveling the sutras, we're traveling to flyness, how far should we go in unleashing our truths to the world? I mean, yeah. how, how, you know, that's an area that I have, Really, I always had problems. Yeah, it's, you know, it's a really personal level that people have to examine. Um, I try I try to share with people that if they are in the, the public eye and they are sharing their truths, and this doesn't have to necessarily be even related to a yoga teacher, right? It could be a real estate agent or, you know, anybody that whatever types of careers you have. The thing is that you want to have a base and a fundamental set of personal principles. And then kind of, I'm just just like my MBA brain going. And then in that second line, (laughs) you want to have what your your don'ts are, right? Those things that you are not going to compromise when it comes to sharing. Those things that you feel like are truly yours, that are private. Um, Even if you think that they may help and assist someone, it is okay if you have that those lines of like, no, but for me, I encourage people to find a middle ground. So there is a way to share some of those don'ts without going into the details of the don'ts. And so when I started, for example, when I started sharing the Spiritually Fly Sutras in like 2013, something like that, 2000, whenever I kind of like I came out of my cave, um, I didn't go into the full scope of the stories, but I would take those sutras and then identify things that may be happening in, in the world. And then I would shape my Dharma talks in my yoga class related to those sutras, knowing good and well, like if I'm talking about standing your truth, for me, it was like finding my voice again, finding my voice within my family. I didn't share those deep stories until then, until the book or, you know, sharing, you know, finding my voice, even in that abusive relationship. I mean, that's really what standing your truth is about. It's about speaking openly and honestly from your heart. But then I would find other things in the world. Um, But so the key point is identifying what your principles are, what your values are, and then what your don'ts are, and then somehow find that middle ground. Yeah. I mean, I do, I tell people that one of the major don'ts that I've made a choice not to to cross um, is that I do not share my partner's name and I do not share his photo on social media. Got it. Yeah, that's like, that's like, nope, exit, like, nah, yeah. And, and you know, and, he, and the cool part is that he gets it. He's like, all right, cool. No, no, just like, okay. <laughs> you know, well, and part of it, and, and part of it is you have to, there are certain things about who you are that you do want to keep sacred. Yeah. And, you know, and it's, it's funny when you say that um, a lot of times people think, oh, well, do you, you know, do anything else than what you do and what you talk about? And I'm like, yeah, I go to dinner once a week. Yeah, I go over here or I hang out with this person or I've done that. But I don't feel like I have to say that or show that to say, oh, yes, I have a life outside of what I do. You know, it's just like, I just want to keep some things about myself private. Private. And, you know, um, but I just really admired how you have opened up on so many things. Um, for example, on page 105, you talk about decoding religion, right? Mm. And <laughs> you openly talk about your thoughts about religion and spirituality. And I can imagine, um, even as I was working towards, you know, building my feng shui career and some of the things that I was doing when we met. Um, A lot of people were kind of like, "Mm," you know, Um, and I know in a lot of communities, yoga itself was considered, you know, kind of uh, 
you know, something that, that a lot of people can do. You even talked about one of your students in the book that was struggling mm-hmm. with some, some things with, with religious uh, beliefs in her church and so forth. And, you know, yeah. whether she wanted to take classes. Um, I, tell me a little bit about uh, your quote here, trust and faith are key elements of spiritual teaching, regardless of your beliefs, your religious beliefs or not. Um, Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so as I was writing the book, it really made me think about my, my relationship that I talk about with God at such an early age. Like I grew up in the Baptist church in the South. Right. And <laughs> not just Baptist, in the South. In the South. Yeah. In the deep, dirty South. Like, really. And so, you know, our family was very religious on my mother's side. However, my father was not religious at all. My father was more of a spiritual being and he was not about organized religion. So there was like such this weird dichotomy and, and bouncing back and of, is there God? Is there not God? And then once my brothers were diagnosed with HIV, I was like, no, there's not a God. So my relationship with spirituality, but very specifically my relationship with God was tarnished at a very early age. However, I still showed up to church. I still learned things. I faked the funk, you know, in church. I even got baptized. Like it was just like I did the, I did the most. But as an adult and also as I became more connected to my yoga practice, I realized that my trust and my faith was not about organized religion. My trust and faith was about what I needed to have in myself. Could I trust myself? Do I do I honestly believe in who I am? Right. And, you know, I often share with my mom is that my yoga practice is what brought me back to the belief in a higher power, brought me back to the belief in who I am, brought me back to a deep spiritual connection to my intuition and trusting and having faith that I have the capacity to live the life I desire. I have the capacity to achieve the things that I want. I have the capacity to grow and evolve. But none of that would have happened if I would have stayed in that mindset of being blocked by my negative experiences with religion. Mm. That's very strong. And, you know, it's, it's really interesting. When I was growing up, both my parents were much older and they were depression babies. And, but they always questioned, like when I wanted to, to get baptized, you know, well, you sure you want to do that? They were very progressive when it came to that stuff. And I'm like, well, I thought this is what I'm supposed to do. But when I was reading your book, I was thinking to myself, go, taking myself back, because we're both, we're kind of contemporaries, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, I kept saying to myself, well, what if this whole thing about God and Jesus, what, what if this is just a big hope? You know, I was like, a, you know, thinking about that as a kid, you know, and, and experiencing a lot of racism and some other things. And mm-hmm. saying to myself, well, why is this person better than me? And you know, so I had a lot of questions around things too, you know, and you're like, okay, well, if this is supposed to be this, then why that? But um, so I, I really found some of your thoughts around that um, quite interesting and, and something that I resonated with. And, you know, also throughout the whole sutras and, and your process, um, you you have different movement practices. and what I gathered from those is that you are using the movement practice as an opportunity to live unapologetically. Yeah. Would you, would you say, would you agree with that? I I totally agree. And the, I often tell people, and I think even for myself, as I've 
<laughs> speaking of social media, I had someone post on my social media. I'm going to get to the story. I had someone post on social on one of my comments that said, oh, I like your teaching better when you taught real yoga. And I was like, what are you talking about? And because, you know, they're seeing me shift. Yeah. Right. The yoga practice, right, the asana and the movement practice really is just the tool. Yeah. It's, it's like the fork to assist me in eating my salad. Okay. Right. And so it's not the end all. It is the simple tool that will aid me in finding that fulfillment in my meal. Ooh. So when I think about, I've never said that before, but that's definitely how yeah, I think. I mean, I like, see, I'm so poetic. <laughs> um, but when I think about it, it's really like the movement practice is supporting me to be more full and active and engaged and connected to my life. Like, I'm not going to be able to experience all of what life has to offer. I'm not going to be able to experience that salad, that beautiful meal, unless I have that tool. Now, I'm not saying that everyone needs, and I say, I think I say this in my book, I can't remember, but I do say it a lot. Not everyone needs that tool of yoga, right? Somebody, someone else might, their tool may just be meditation, or they may use different, a different type of movement, right? They may use Qigong or something like that, or walking may be their tool, but you need to identify what your tools are to aid you in moving powerfully, unapologetically through your life. And sometimes for me, it takes multiple tools. Like even this morning in my yoga practice, I'm like, move my body. And I was like, I need to go back to this meditation. And so that's what I did. I finished my movement practice and I was like, I'm going to drop back into this meditation that I was using three years ago. Yeah. Because now, obviously, that's a tool that I need to add to the table of this life I'm in to support me in experiencing it. Right. And I think that really sums up what this book is all about. And I have one last question for you uh, as we close uh, this wonderful interview. I feel like, and it's very rare when I talk to people that I'm like having this conversation, you know, I just feel like, you know, <laughs> this is, this, it's just so close to me, you know? And, yeah. Um, and, and we, we talked about your surroundings and your, your home and so forth. Mm. How important is that in supporting you as you move through these sutras, as you begin to live unapologetically, as you begin to blossom and start flying? Yes, yes. Tell me about how did that work for you? It's, you know, it's been a very interesting evolution of connecting to beauty and creativity. And I really believe, almost like for myself, I have been, over the past probably like say four or five years, I've been really focusing on the last sutra. So I feel like I'm just like stepping into my flyness, right? But kind of being in that place of pure divinity in everything that I'm doing. So my personal space has started to shift and evolve as a result. And being unafraid to identify and share that beauty is essential. Mm. Like I, uh, pe people have, well, people will select different words that represent them, right? right? And so some of my words that I've stepped into because they've been kind of secret is like, Tapping into beauty and creativity. I know that is, I mean, that's definitely my Venus energy. Um, being comfortable with luxury. Yeah. And being and saying that, you know, I like luxury. Like it's it's not a joke. Like I really enjoy it. And so what I've done intentionally is brought 
those elements into my home space. And I didn't even realize I was doing it until one of my employees, like probably like four or five years ago, when I left New York for the second time, moved back to DC for the third time. And she comes into my apartment for a work meeting and she's like, and she had never been in my home. She had just started working for me. She walks into my home. She's like, okay, interesting. And she's like, it's like a spa up in here. You know, she's like, I went in the bathroom and it smells all nice. There's eucalyptus hanging and like, you know, and, and, and I'm like, yeah, because I want to be able to wake up and be in this really sweet, comfortable space that represents the beauty of my heart. Um, you know, prior to the pandemic, I traveled a lot. Yes, and so it was really important for when I come off a long trip, 9 million delays in the airport and I open my door and I'm in my sanctuary. I'm in my space. And so that is the result of being unapologetic and divinely powerful in the things that represent my heart which comes back to the foundation that represents the love. Like my, the things that I bring into my home are a reflection of the love that's in my heart. And it's really nice when people will add stuff to it. So they'll like buy something for me, or like my friends or like, like even my partner, like got me flowers for yesterday and I wasn't expecting it. I'm like, Oh, cause we don't live in the same place. And I'm like, Oh my God, flowers. <laughs> He's paying attention. Because he knows that I love flowers. And so, you know, since we've been together, he's made this very intentional effort to ensure that when he's not around and he needs to celebrate something in my life, he sends me flowers. And I was like, oh, my God. But I think part of that is because when he comes to my home, that's what he sees. Exactly. And he knows that that is the representation of what makes me feel comfortable, what brings me ease, and is an expression of beauty and love for me. Well, Miss Lady, Miss Spiritually Fly, <laughs> you are amazing. And I want to tell everyone get this book. It is just yeah. totally amazing. It will change your life. Um, I resonated with it so much because I had gone through quite a bit of some of the same um, stories and, and mm. that you have, and it's very special to me. So tell me, what's next for you? Yeah. Uh, I know you have a new program coming out. Tell us about it. Yeah. So actually, we just launched last week. So we're, we're still in the baby infancy stage. Okay. But what I'm doing is taking the teachings that's in that are in the book right. and the practices that are in the book and putting them in digital format. Wow. Okay. So um, if you know, in, in chapter one, I think probably one of even just recording it. I wanted to cry when I was recording. it, But was the um, the love sound box? Yes. So that is actually in audio format inside of Elevate. So you can go inside my Elevate membership and you get the meditation. So the Love Notes meditation, there's a meditation there. Like literally, I guide you through a meditation practice and then have you write out your, your Love Notes. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so it's, it's really cool because also there's an asana practice in there that is a, um, lead with love asana practice. And so I'll be doing that over the next seven months is every month I'm going to come out with a new set of practices that focus on that particular sutra. So of course, February is lead with love. All of it's inside the platform. I, I suggest that people go through, I have it set up like in a 30 day format, but you don't really have to do that. But like, and I think the bulk of the practices will be in league with love because that is the foundation. But then as you go through the, the rest of the month inside Elevate, March will be standing your truth. I'm excited about just 
some of that because there's a dance moment in there, you know, in the yeah. book. And I saw that in, ch- in your chapter. I didn't know you were such a dancer. Um, you know, I mean, I've just learned so much about you. <laughs> That's amazing. I can't yeah. talk about this book enough. Yeah. So how did we get to Elevate? How did- yeah, so um, so we, we do have social media. So it's Elevate.fly is our social media platform. But if you just simply type in Elevate.faithhunter.com or if you just go to faithhunter.com, you'll see Elevate on the homepage there. Um, yeah, and yeah, any social media, I have it highlighted in both my, all of my social media platforms, you'll see stuff about Elevate. And right now I'm offering um, seven days free. Okay. So people can jump on and get seven days free. And um, as your special gift, I'm going to give you 30 days free. Oh, and, <laughs> and, and I'm going to give one of your listeners 30 days free. So okay, um, now, okay. So I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you figure out what listener you can do any, you can do a giveaway. Okay. I am going to, um, yes, I have some people in mind. Yes. I think would be excellent for this program. And I just no. want to say, Miss Faith, thank you so, so thank much. Thank you. Thank you. Love you to death. You are making Love you as well. And mwah, you're just wonderful. Thank you. I receive it as well. And you are just keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. And keep serving the world the way you're doing. Thank you. This (laughs) authenticity and truth and being spiritually fly. And uh, again, thanks. Thanks.